Hello everyone and welcome to This Week in Engineering. I'm Jim Anderton, Multimedia Content Director at Engineering.com. On today's show, anti-COVID smart fabrics, perovskites for better solar cells, and Amazon's big satellite constellation. sanitizer and disinfectant wipes, well, they're pretty standard stuff in these days of COVID-19. What if the clothes you wear could protect you from the virus? This week, Sana Kasselbash has a story about a company that's developed a chemical treatment for textiles that's proven effective against the virus. Toronto-based Intelligent Fabric Technologies North America has announced a line of COVID-impairing apparel that will be available this fall. Now, this concept isn't new. Hospital workers have been wearing treated antibacterial scrubs for years, but viruses, well, they're different, and they've generated much less interest in textile treatment strategies. The company's proprietary antiviral chemical, Protex2AV, is a coating applied to finished fabrics, and when it comes in contact with the novel coronavirus, it penetrates the fatty outer shell of the virus and is claimed to be capable of destroying its replication process. Now, in testing, the company is reporting that fabrics treated with Protex2AV have demonstrated a 99.9% reduction in active viral loads of COVID-19. That's a thousand-fold reduction in comparison to untreated fabric. The chemical deactivates COVID-19 in 10 minutes with residual protection lasting 24 hours. The compound stays in the fabric long enough to survive 30 wash cycles. Now, there are several forms of coronavirus, but IFTNA's treatment has been tested specifically against the COVID virus responsible for the current pandemic. The coatings have also been tested against other human pathogens such as MRSA, Staph, C. difficile, E. coli, norovirus, H1N1, and influenza A and B. The company is now awaiting emergency regulatory approvals from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the FDA, and Health Canada, but manufacturers are already planning for production. Charismatic Brands, a global healthcare apparel company that manufactures Cherokee and Dickies products, well, they're verifying tests in anticipation of antiviral scrubs, lab coats, gowns, and masks. While other companies, including the North Face and South Korea's Okyung, they're working on everything from PPE to aircraft seat coverings. Perhaps the best measure of efficacy isn't laboratory testing, however. Under Armour plans to release a Protex 2AV treated face mask designed specifically for athletes. The New Orleans Saints Deontay Harris wears one, and if you want to assure success of a consumer product in the U.S. market, you can't do much better than approve it in the NFL. Perovskites are all the rage in photovoltaic solar technology these days, and Tom Lombardo has a story that argues how perovskite solar cells are better for the environment overall compared to conventional silicon technology. Now, Tom argues that one environmental cost of silicon technology is the considerable amount of CO2 emitted to create the intense heat needed to purify the silicon. Perovskites, when manufactured as multi-layer cells, are less expensive to manufacture, are easier to recycle, and are more efficient than silicon cells, all reducing their environmental impact. But like all advanced technologies, I mean, there are trade-offs. Durability is an issue, and perovskite solar cells are sensitive to air, moisture, and heat. Now, air and moisture can be addressed by encapsulating the cells, but heat is a harder problem to solve on panels that sit in sunlight for hours every day. At the current state of the art, perovskite cells have survived about 4,000 hours in laboratory testing. Now, that sounds like a lot, but it's roughly two years in a typical residential system. Efficiency, however, is priority number one in solar cell technology, and perovskite cells have improved from 4% to roughly 25% efficiency in only a decade of research. So the scientific community, well, they're all in with this technology. The U.S. Department of Energy likes it and recently earmarked $20 million to advance perovskite stability, efficiency, cell manufacturing, and testing. Now, if the durability problem can be solved, perovskites could change the face of the solar industry. How? 
Well, there are lots of ways to measure economic and environmental impact of alternate energy technologies, but from a CO2 reduction perspective, Tom looks at the energy payback period, the amount of time a panel needs to operate in the field to generate the energy equivalent to the amount of energy that went into making it. Perovskite-perovskite tandem cells need 78% less energy to manufacture than perovskite silicon tandems. Now, the reason is simple. 90% of the energy needed to produce a silicon panel is used to purify the silicon, while perovskite-only cells, well, they can be made with a low-temperature screen printing process that's not only less energy-intensive, but also less expensive. As a result, the energy payback period for silicon is 1.52 years, but only about 0.35 years, it's about four months, for perovskite-perovskite tandems. And the benefits don't stop there. Not only is the screen printing process low cost and low energy, multi-layered perovskite cells can be screened onto cheap, light, and flexible substrates, making it easier to integrate them into buildings and consumer goods. But what will crack that durability problem? Well, carbon nanotube coatings are one approach, but more research is required. Stay tuned. Low-orbit satellite constellations promise to solve the last great internet challenge, low-cost global connectivity. Now, SpaceX is actively launching its system, so it's no surprise that over at Amazon, Jeff Bezos wants a piece of that action. Matt Greenwood has a story this week about Amazon's challenger to the SpaceX Starlink internet system, the Kuiper Project. With FCC approval secured, Amazon is ready to move forward with a whopping $10 billion investment in the project. Now, communication satellites, well, they've been around since the early 60s, but the conventional wisdom has been to orbit them high. At just over 22,000 miles in altitude, they orbit at the same speed as the Earth's rotation, meaning they appear to hover over a single spot. This geosynchronous orbit means that three satellites give global coverage, a very cost-effective way of running a satellite system. For the high bandwidth needs of modern internet service, however, latency is a serious issue, and to cure that, the time of flight for signals up and down to the satellite, well, that has to be minimized. Now, this means satellites that orbit a much lower altitude. From the perspective of a ground observer, they will appear to rise from the horizon, fly overhead, and disappear below the horizon, meaning a series of satellites will be needed to hand the signal off as they appear and disappear from the user's device range. The Kuiper project addresses this with a truly incredible network. This constellation will consist of 3,236 satellites orbiting at three different altitudes. 784 will orbit 367 miles high, another 1,296 will orbit 379 miles high, and the remaining 1,156 will circulate 391 miles up. Now that's low, very low, and at those altitudes, even the vanishingly thin atmosphere exists a notable aerodynamic drag on the satellites. Dead or disabled units, well, they could be deorbited quickly, taking a maximum of 355 days. This is lightning fast compared to the 25-year standard set by NASA. Amazon expects that service can begin with half the constellation in place and will provide worldwide service. Kuiper will also offer backhaul services to other service carriers, so customers in areas without a solid ground infrastructure will still get access to high-speed LTE and 5G traffic. In another move similar to the SpaceX strategy, Amazon will build the satellites in-house at a 219,000-square-foot facility in Redmond, Washington. Now, Bezos conveniently owns Blue Origin, which is developing an orbital-class booster, making it possible that Bezos may be his own launcher's first customer. Now, the FCC requires that Amazon will launch half of this constellation by 2026, with completion by 2029, a very short time frame for such an ambitious project. Now, Amazon's coming from behind in the orbital internet race. The SpaceX Starlink system has 500 satellites already in orbit, while OneWeb has 74 in higher orbits. Can Amazon compete? Well, there was a time when no one expected an online bookseller to compete with Sears, Roebuck, or Kmart either. Thanks for tuning in today's show, and we look forward to lending us your ear next time on This Week in Engineering.